three more sleeps until the expansion draft gets underway. Hello, everyone. My name is Mario Russo, and joining me for episode 22 of the Leafs Line podcast is none other than Michael Iaboni and Joshua Levesque. And Aiden McCullough may be joining us in the next couple of minutes or so. Uh, we'll be seeing if he ends up coming onto the show. If not, no sweat. But we got a lot, and I mean a lot, of content in this one. So please, if you're listening... Put a kettle on, because we'll be here for quite a while. And we finally have some Leafs news and some valuable Leafs news to get into, including their signings over the past couple of weeks, more so the new sign that we just saw, as well as a big trade that Kyle Dubas made. We'll be getting into that trade and dissecting how it works out for both sides, both the Penguins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Also, the the NHL's protection lists have been going around and were released earlier this morning. Uh, we'll be going around and dissecting uh, not only just the Maple Leafs, as this is the Leafs Line podcast, we'll be getting into the other... 30 teams in the NHL and what they have left on the table for the Seattle Kraken to snap back. We'll also be getting to Carey Price, a very interesting situation looming with him. Uh, actually waving his no movement clause uh, last night as I was eating my dinner. I was very shocked to see that one. I'm sure many Habs fans, Josh, I think you can chime in on this when we get into the topic, as well as hockey fans in general. We're just sort of taken about because he led his team to a Stanley Cup final not even weeks ago. So, uh, it's definitely something interesting. It's a story that we're going to be paying close attention to. And I also read before, I, actually after I made these notes for the show, that he's actually might be playing injured next season if he were to play. So an interesting story, to say the least, that is looming uh, both for Seattle and the Montreal Canadiens party. We'll be just, like, dissecting that, analyzing that, and seeing if Price is actually the best fit. Uh, even though he has a really high-end contract, we'll be getting into if he is a good fit for the Seattle crack. And we saw with the Vegas Golden Knights going with Marc-Andre Fleury, and we saw where they got this that transaction got them. We'll see if Price is in it for, uh, for the Seattle Kraken as well. Also, we're getting into another big trade that uh, sort of hit the books in the NHL over this past weekend, a wild weekend at that when it comes to trades. Uh, Ryan Ellis is heading to the Philadelphia Flyers and Patrick, Nolan Patrick, that is, going to the Vegas Golden Knights. It was a three-team trade. We'll be getting into that. And which team sort of had the most benefit out of that trade and which player will be most advantageous for their new club. And finally, not only will we be getting into our hot take segment of the show to finish off the uh, week 22, episode 22 of the Leafs Line podcast, we'll also be getting into what the Seattle Kraken team will look at. I know Iboni has a couple projected teams up uh, that he's been putting a lot of work in over the past couple of days or so. He'll be sharing that with us, of course. And we'll be getting our takes on not only the rules about the Seattle Kraken draft, if uh, any of you listeners here are unaware of it. We'll be getting to the, the, the rules and just what Seattle might be looking for. they got a lot of money to spend, mind you, obviously starting off fresh. Uh, where are they going to put this money is the big question. We'll be getting into that. But to kick things off, and actually before we kick things off, I just want to also apologize for last week's show. Uh, it was supposed to be last Sunday. Uh, if, if you've been paying attention to our names in the intro of these podcasts, you'd know that almost all of us, uh, excluding Mr. Levesque here, are all Italian. And it was a big week last week. And Josh, you can agree with this as well, as we both went to, uh, if you're if you're listening to this from a local standpoint, Market Lane in Woodbridge. And it was, oh, it was, it was something special. It was a crazy time down there. Definitely an experience. No, Josh? Absolutely. I'm not even Italian. And it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah, and to see that many Italians get together for a win like none other is something special, that's for sure. And I want to ask you this before we get into the show. Uh, as if you've been living under a rock or haven't even jumped in your car or outside, for instance, uh, you might notice that these flags are going around, these flags on the cars, about the <coughs> Italian national team. And I want to ask you guys this question. Now, the tradition when it comes to these kind of sports, these tournaments, 
you're supposed to hold the winning flag of your team. So say you're, let's say you're a France, uh, a French fan and France wins and you're supposed to traditionally, you're supposed to keep the flag up for one week. Do you guys think this Euro Cup will make it any different? You're going to hold the flag up a little bit longer, or do you think it's a week? Stick to the tradition, call it call it that. Or what are your thoughts on the flag thing? Because personally, I'm an Italian, and I just love to see it because just showing off your pride in your country's flag. But uh, what are your thoughts? And I'll start with you, Iboni. Just a quick uh, gander before we start the show. What do you think of this flag uh, scenario with both Italy winning the Euro Cup and people just really showing off their pride down here in the GTA? I mean, as long as the communities are debate are like amongst themselves they're keeping up for longer I, I see no problem with you guys all keeping up as long as you guys want as long as the community's happy everyone else is happy it's just uh vibes are high italians are uh buzzing and um just spirits are high and it's just everyone's smiling it's really nice to see and it's like all the um, car horn honks as i'm on my drive to work and it's just it's a really nice sound really nice sights and i think that uh, as long as everyone else is happy you can keep it up uh, as long as you'd like uh, I, I see that this is a huge milestone in Italian history. And uh, if you've watched any of the soccer games, they were very exciting. Uh, either very tight, low-scoring games or some uh, really high-scoring Italian games. Uh, very interesting to watch. And I think that uh, as long as the community is happy, just vibe with your team. Yeah, it certainly did bring the community together. That's for sure. I think Market Lane was the leading test to that. As the excitement grew with this team, the parties got bigger and bigger down at Woodbridge Avenue and it's just a great sight to see seeing everyone get back together in a time so diversified and segregated because of COVID obviously uh, it was the first time at least when I went to Market Lane that I was with a bunch of people and it really felt good it felt a little bit like normal and yeah it was such a great time Josh I'll turn it over to you what about what's your take on the flags keeping them up uh, should you take them down after a week uh, what do you think are you going to side with Iaboni or do you got anything else to say about this uh, I think <laughs> I think you just you celebrate for a week and then you kind of slow down. But I have no problem with it. Uh, obviously, it's not something that happens every year. It, it won't even happen every four years. So um, I think from a non-Italian standpoint, I'm fine with all the flags and stuff. And I, th- I think you guys celebrate for as long as you want, but just not not as cr- obviously not as crazy it's it's calmed down a lot and i have no problem with that so oh it almost definitely has calmed down after such a high that it went on uh when the italian squad did win and i really didn't like and this is all i'm going to say of the italian team uh obviously this is the leafs line podcast it's a hockey podcast we'll be getting to that shortly but when uh fans would say soccer fans and even those who weren't really soccer fans would look at the italian supporters celebrating and say why are you celebrating? You just won one game in like the group stage against Turkey. Why are you? Why are we going crazy here? And I think <laughs> this, the people that don't watch soccer very uh, true-heartedly or not really obsessed with the game don't really take an understanding that it happens every four years. You're not seeing Italy win a game every other month, every other uh, every other year. No, no, it's every four years that you're seeing a team come together. And these wins are big. Soccer wins. It's at the end of the day, even when you get to the sort of later rounds, it's one and done. There's no series down here. There's nothing like that. It's like football as well. If you win, you're celebrating. And I don't know. That's what I just picked up on it from the soccer fans going up against the people who haven't really been involved in the soccer community. But regardless, those two sides came together when they won. And it was such a beautiful sight to see. And hopefully in the next coming years, we might see for the Maple Leafs. But with the way these Seattle Kraken moves are going and these rosters are shaping up and who's available for these teams... It's looking like the Seattle Kraken might have a nice parade going before the Toronto Maple Leafs because of 
the amount of star power that has been revealed to them over the last 24 hours. And we'll be getting into that just in a little bit. We're going to focus on the Maple Leafs news. We haven't had too much to talk about when it comes to the Maple Leafs. They've been in the offseason for so long. Not too many moves made, a lot of minor moves. Uh, Simmons and Spezza were re-signed, as well as Travis Dermott in the uh, pre- previous month or so. It's been relatively decent offseason for Kyle Dubas, and he made it a lot better with acquiring Jared McCann. Now, these three players that I mentioned that were signed for the Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas in regards to Dermott, Spezza, and Simmons are all going to make their way, as we'll mention in a little bit on this show. They're unprotected. They're left free for the Seattle Kraken's taking, but this this Jared McCann trade has made it a much more uh, appetizing thought process for the Seattle Kraken and who they're going to take. A little bit more of a difficult decision on Ron Francis's part. So basically, the Leafs acquired McCann yesterday evening, for a seventh round pick and Philip Hollander. Now, uh, Philip Hollander did have 24 points in 51 games in the Swedish Hockey League last season. And he was also sent to the Toronto, Toronto Maple Leafs in that Kapanen deal last summer. If you forgot about that, he was actually swapped uh, when these two teams went at it. And Kapanen ended up leaving the Maple Leafs to hit the road to Pittsburgh. And Hollander was a big throw in there. We didn't get too much use out of him, obviously. He wasn't able to don the Leafs uniform last season. And he spent a lot of his time, like I mentioned, in Sweden. So uh, he didn't put up the greatest amount of points for his sort of skill rating and liking. And now he's being shipped right back to Pittsburgh. And I I find it really amazing that the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Pittsburgh Penguins, such great relationships, Uh, so many trades. And my trade that I remember the most as a kid was when my idol, Phil Kessel, had to hit the road down to Pittsburgh and make his way to play in a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform. That was an extremely sad time uh, for a 13, 14-year-old boy watching his favorite player get traded, but this deal was so much more sweeter. And McCann, he scored a career-high 14 goals, and it was actually good for a total of 32 points on the year uh, last season. The 25-year-old was projected to be exposed by the Penguins in this year's expansion draft. He will now be exposed alongside forward Alexander Kerfoot in Wednesday's draft. Now, looking at it two ways here, the Leafs essentially obtained Amirov and McCann for Kapanen and a seventh-round pick. Now, Hollander sort of cancels out simply because... He was traded from the Penguins to the Leafs and then back to the Penguins. So he didn't really gain or lose anything from both ends of the spectrum. But regarding the expansion draft, and this is where the big one, the big ball lies here, the Leafs may have just given up just Hollander and a seventh, as long as the Kraken select McCann instead of Kerfoot. And if you're Kyle Dubas, if you're a Leafs fan or you're just submerged in Leafs Nation, this is not a bad thing at all. And I'll start, I'll ask you this one, Iboni. Do you think, uh, at least, what are your thoughts on this trade first and initially, as well as what do you think of the Leafs maybe getting off scot-free or maybe damage control here, what I like to call Kerfoot insurance, with the acquisition of McCann and exposing him to the Seattle Kraken for Wednesday night's draft? Uh, I, I think there's two ways you can look at it. Uh, you can look at it as uh, it's insurance, like you just said, for um, Kerfoot, and you can just go, um, here, you got two options here you could take. Uh, Jerry McCann, you could take Alex Kerfoot. And either way, we got a nice uh, sub-average $3 million guy who could play maybe second line, third line, uh, center or wing. Uh, they're flexible players, good players. And they're going to be key for the Leafs next year. Or you can look at it this other way. And you can say, hey, we made this trade. There's going to be a side deal. Kerfoot's getting shipped off. We're going to get some kind of thing. We're going to give him a draft pick, something. Kerfoot's leaving the team. McCann's our guy. This is the two ways that I look at it. I think it's probably going to be an option one as I started to kind of sway my way back. I thought initially uh, when I saw the deal, uh, sorry, not when I saw the deal, when I saw the expansion um, protection list, I thought immediately uh, it's going to be a side deal for Kerfoot because uh, I thought immediately even before this that um, Ron Francis 
had serious interest in Alexander Kerfoot and that they were going to be uh, a clique and they were going to select him. So uh, that was my ideology on kind of um, a side deal kind of process, but I'm leaning a little bit more towards um, just McCann being uh, some insurance for Alexander Kerfoot. Now, before I turn it over to Josh, I want to ask you one more question as we're kind of on the topic between McCann, Kerfoot, who's going to go to the Kraken? And that's sort of my big question to you. Who do you think is going to end up being selected by the Seattle Kraken from the Toronto Maple Leafs from this forward position, at least? Do you think McCann's going to be heading to Seattle after a quick stay in Toronto? Do you think Kerfoot's time in the Toronto Maple Leafs organization is up and done for and he's going to be moving to, down to Seattle? So who do you think is going to go here? Because, I mean, if you're Seattle, you can't go wrong with both outlets. Uh, two great and sort of similar players their contracts are actually separated by, I believe, $900,000. So it's not like it's a money thing when it's coming to selecting these two players. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on uh, the deal and what Seattle's going to take? Is it going to be McCann, Kerfoot, or are we just going to have to wait and see? I think we're just going to have to wait and see. But uh, I think it also depends on um, what they're feeling. If they're thinking more of like a, a veteran team, some guys have been there already, some guys that um, know what they're doing a little bit more, have a little bit more developed. They've shown what they can do constantly throughout multiple seasons. Kerfoot's your guy. If you're thinking a little bit more younger guys, we're looking long future, not short future. Uh, I think they're going to go with a McCann. Uh, the cap hit, I believe it's 500K. I don't know. It could be 900K. I don't know uh, the exact numbers. But uh, if they're getting a little bit pricey in their picks, if they happen to choose like uh, some guy who's got a 10.5 million cap hit, <coughs> um, <laughs> then maybe they'll lean a little bit more towards Jerry McCann because they need that cap relief and they're so similar players. But uh, all in all, I think they're going to end up going with Alexander Kerfoot. I think that's going to be their main guy. I think Ron Francis wants some guys who are going to stay in Seattle uh, as Kerfoot is kind of a hometown boy. So I think that uh, he is going to Seattle, Alexander Kerfoot. And it wouldn't be a bad uh, situation either. And I think this is why the deal was sort of made in place by Kyle Dubas saying, okay, listen, you can take McCann if you want. We'll get Kerfoot back. We'll obviously be extremely happy that we can continue with his future and what he can bring to the team. And both guys also can slide into a top six role uh, with the Seattle Kraken extremely fast and immediately. These two players are extremely talented up front. Uh, they got so many tools they come at you with. McCann is a natural goal scorer. Uh, he's a streaky goal scorer as well, and he really knows how to play alongside skilled players. And with looking at these protection lists that we'll be getting to in a moment, there's a lot of skilled players that the Seattle Kraken can choose from. And Alexander Kerfoot, he has proved himself, like you mentioned, Iboni, in this league time and time again. He had a great playoff for the Maple Leafs and was tied for first on their team when, with their first-round exit uh, to the Montreal Canadiens with points. They finished with six points on the year, tied with uh, William Nylander in that playoff series. So he, know, he can get it done in the postseason. He can obviously get it done in the regular season. So no wrong way here for the Kraken to take. And even if they do take Kerfoot, you got McCann, who is ready to step up with the Maple Leafs organization. Phil, like we mentioned, he'd go into a top-six role with Seattle. You could also see him going into a top-six role with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And... I think it'll be a great way whichever Seattle takes or whichever way Seattle tries to lean on. But I don't know. I think this was a great move by Dubis. I'm going to turn it over to you, Josh. Do you think Dubis hit the, hit the, I guess you hit the hammer on the nail here and really made some really good moves with this uh, sort of deal here. McCann bringing him in and giving some assurance for Kerfa. What do you think on the deal, Josh? And uh, who do you think is going to end up going to Seattle? Are you going to side with Iboni here? Or are you going to maybe sort of lean the other way? I hate that trade because I'm a Habs fan because I really like Jared McCann. Um, <clears throat> obviously, he's like Iboni said, he's younger. He's a younger player. He's not. He's not old. He's got a lot of time left on him. 
But I think it's a great acquisition for the Leafs. Like Iboni said, it's insurance for Kerfoot. Obviously, Hollander was a, a good prospect, but he wasn't used whatsoever. So it's basically like after everything evens out, it's basically like what was it, Kapanen? Uh, was it Kapanen for like uh, Amirov and McCann, something like that? So I think I th- obviously we mentioned we've we've mentioned this before, just talking on the side, Mario. Uh, McCann's a streaky player, but he also has a lot of upside. He can score on the power play, but he also fits a great defensive role, and he's extremely effective on the back end, which is what he's shown this year. However, he's showing some signs of being a true Leaf player by scoring zero goals in his last 12 career playoff games. Uh, I think, though, if he finds his groove in the playoffs, which he usually does in the regular season, he tends to just play absolutely unreal for, for a long period of time. I mean, overall, I think this trade has a lot of upside for the lease, especially because it has some insurance. But on on the side of uh, what's on the side of the Kraken, I don't know who they're gonna. I, I think it just depends on. Obviously, it's not like their contracts aren't a huge difference. But I depend. I think it depends on if they're gonna go for price. If they're gonna go for let's just say Landeskog, maybe like they're gonna sign Landeskog. Or who knows? I mean, he's asking for a lot. So maybe they're going to go for a little bit of cheaper players like Jared McCann instead of Kerfoot. But I, if if everything just goes to normal, I think they're just going to take the safe choice and go Alex Kerfoot. Yeah, and Ron Francis is sort of sitting at his desk here with all his sort of management crew and everything. And he's it's like his mother gave him a nice Xbox card or a PlayStation card. He's like, you know what? Buy as much stu- uh, MLB stubs as you want and like go go ham and buy whichever players you want and make the best team you can possible. He has $82 million to work with or something <laughs> something around that range. He's, he's starting off fresh here. He's literally picking candy from a bo- – from a. he's literally just picking which candy he wants from his like siblings – uh, Halloween candy, like he's just picking the best ones. So it's hey, like, he's he's living high right now for sure, and it's look it's looking better than Vegas. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at what Vegas had to go through. Uh, very similar, obviously, standards and uh, the rules were very similar as well. But you have to remember here, all these players that were available to Vegas do not even stack close to what the talent <laughs> is available to the Seattle Kraken here. Uh, I think the best player that was available to Vegas at that time yeah, was. You know. Was uh, we, yeah, Jonathan Marshall. Mar- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Church, sorry, and, Marshall. So, and, and he, we, but he wasn't even that great heading to uh, I was looking at his stats, uh, he had I was, a 30 goal, he had a 30 goal yeah, season this yeah. year before, and that's who I was gonna say, Fleury as well. But I was reading about Marshall so as well. Uh, it was about a month or so ago when they were still in the playoffs, and before he came to Vegas, his stats you mentioned the 30 goal season, obviously, uh, it's not an easy task to do by any means, but even before that, he was still scuffling a little bit. Uh, in his career, stat-wise, putting up points. But he came to Vegas. Vegas took, I want to say a gamble on him, because I don't think any team takes a gamble on Jonathan Mars. So, uh, But they went with him, obviously, at the end of the day, and it worked uh, vigorously and very effectively and fast for the Vegas Golden Knights. And we mentioned the best players that they had available. Mars so was among them. Marc-Andre Fleury, like you mentioned, Iboni was another one. And then you're looking at the Seattle Crack and who they have to choose from. Tarasenko off the bat, who has went through some injuries, <laughs> obviously, but he is a former 30-goal scorer. Uh, you also look at other guys like an, the best goaltender in the league, or I'd rather say the second best goaltender in the league now, Carey Price, 
Uh, he was outdueled by Mark Andre Vasilevsky in the Stanley Cup final. Which Josh, I understand the wounds are still fresh. I know, I know, I know. No, it's, it's not French. I'm, 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 I'm over it. I'm over it. The only thing I'm not over. The only thing I, the the only thing I'm not over is the fact that NHL is, the NHL Instagram account is still posting like five times a day. Like I get it, Tampa won. <laughs> like you should be talking about the expansion draft. <laughs> Like they're not, they're not even. I, I I'm gonna be honest. I didn't know till earlier that uh, James Van Riemsdyk is un, is not is unprotected. Like because they don't show that stuff. They're just showing Tampa and like their celebrations. Like Jesus Christ, get over it. We're getting. I, I didn't ever think we'd get more Kucherov <laughs> content compared to an actual NHL franchise that is also to boot playing their first oh year my in the God. NHL. But uh, hey, that's 2021, and I mean that's what happens when you win back to back cups uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning and Kucherov. The wounds are still fresh, Josh. I don't want to open these wounds. No, back it's, up it's, 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 this on the outline here. it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's 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 honestly. I, I'm just glad. Like la- last Sunday, I'm gonna be honest. I was not emotionally ready for this, but I mean, I you think like won. I'm looking at like a, like a small list right now. Like you gotta bring up like the defenseman is what I'm also looking for. Obviously, they had like Vegas had Shea Theodore to pick from, but like holy cow, what what Actually, Vegas? I mean, what Seattle has. Actually, what? Shake Theodore was actually um, um, a side deal. Oh, they he took, was a side uh, deal. They took so, uh, they took someone else, and then he was uh, in a trade in a side deal. Oh, but he was taken from the fans, just like um, uh, Jonathan Marchessault. Um, mm-hmm. Another big oof that Florida made is when he was taken. They also included Riley Smith, so they're like, "Hey, we'll give you Riley Smith to take Jonathan Marchessault." <laughs> but hey, hey, listen, listen. I mean, if you look at what Seattle has to pick from, just some notable names. I mean, not not all of them are super young, but, like, this is a team to win now. Like, you got Kevin Shattenkirk, Mark Giordano, Nikita Zadorov. You got – I don't I don't think Will Butcher's terrible. I, Dylan DeMello's an okay third-liner, a third-pairing defenseman. Like, I don't – like, I don't think it's they're, – they're not going to – like, Jake Bean, he's not bad either. Vince Dunn's not bad. They, they got a lot of pick from – they're not taking Vince Dunn, obviously. With Tarasenko like, on the board. No, 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 no. I know, I know. I know. No, I, like, I see what you're saying. I see what you're but saying. But like, I'm just, I'm just bringing up like the names. Like yeah. they have, like Ron Francis has so much to pick for. It's like they're gonna be good. And I, at first, I was thinking like, there's no chance it's ever gonna be possible for them to, to match Vegas. But looking at what they're given, they're look, they're gonna, they look like they're gonna be better on paper, on paper. Well, listen, a lot of times, more often than not, and we've seen it with the Tampa Bay Lightning, on paper, a lot of the teams that are better on paper do uh, match the, the skill on the ice and this does transaction transaction very well. And then you look at the other end of the spectrum, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, who on paper, such a great franchise with a great top four uh Rocket Richard winner, and then they get out in the first round. So uh, it's really hard to say where this team was going to go before the draft. Obviously, we got to see where these chips fall, how they play their cards. And it's going to be interesting to see how they do play their cards, where they're going to prioritize their money. And that's probably the biggest thing uh, amongst anything else for me, what the Seattle Kraken and Ron Francis want to do. Where are they going to put their money towards? Now, we mentioned a little bit on and off here, Carey Price. He is carrying a big contract. We'll be getting into it a little bit after. Uh, but Carey Price, he has a no-movement cause cause clause sorry that he waived uh last night and he does carry a big contract plus i believe it's an 11 million dollar signing bonus 
that the Seattle Kraken, if they were to go that route, would have to pay up front when the fall hits. So I don't know. Ron Francis has a lot of head shaking to do, a lot of uh, big moves he's going to have to potentially make because I think all these teams in the NHL sort of prepared for this. I think we can all say that with the protection list that I'm going to get into in a second, uh, starting off with the Maple Leafs. But what a crazy last few days it has been in the NHL. And uh, I think it's great for the game. I can't wait to see Seattle, first of all, play an actual NHL game. I always wanted to see a franchise, another franchise out west in Seattle that was not in California because never really been a big fan of seeing California hockey. Uh, I think Seattle's a perfect spot for the for an NHL team to move to. I am very excited to see how the Vancouver and the Seattle rivalry will play out. They're on the same Pacific, obviously, uh, same division, obviously, being the Pacific division. So I think there's a lot of interesting things when it comes to Seattle, the game inside the game for this Kraken, and I can't wait till Wednesday. I think it's going to be an exciting time, and all these players that are available, there's going to be some key players left sort of going back to their home team uh, because there's just so much skill within these protection lists, and that's what we're going to get into right now. So for the Maple Leafs, who is available, you ask? Well, we just mentioned here Kerfoot and McCann. We also got Pierre Angle, who's coming off a kind of a downwards year for the Toronto Maple Leafs. No surprise there that he is on this list for the unprotected players for the Maple Leafs. And then you got the three players that you kind of just signed. Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza, Travis Dermott, who was the odd man out in the pairing between Hall and Dermott. Which one was going to go to the Kraken draft? And it was Travis Dermott. He was actually re-signed uh, in a deal that I don't think we discussed last week since we didn't really do a podcast, but... Uh, he was signed to a multi-year deal to make it more appetizing for the Kraken to take him. And I think that's what's going to happen to play out. Obviously, him being the only defenseman available for them to choose. As well as, uh, this is the one I'm, he's obviously not going to get taken, but Brooks as well. I, I really don't want to see him leave. It's obviously extremely root low chance he goes, but he is unprotected. And he's a decent player if the Kraken want to choose him. But I mean, there's a lot more guys lined up in front of him that the Kraken could take a crack at, if you will. Uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, Dermott was signed, like I mentioned, to a two-year deal earlier last week. Simmons and Spezza were into their contracts as well earlier this month. Hall, like I mentioned, will be staying with Toronto, and he will be mending that second unit alongside Jake Muzzin, but a great, uh, who's coming off a great season, uh, both offensively on the defensive side of things as well. And as expected, the Leafs list stays safe with no massive implications to see as of right now. And Dubis, like we mentioned off the top of the show as well with the McCann segment, he did buy some Kerfoot insurance, and with the acquisition of Jared McCann yesterday afternoon amid that transaction frenzy. Now, I'm going to turn this one over to you guys quickly. Uh, I'll start with you, Josh. I want to hear more of your thoughts on that protection list as well. What are your thoughts on the list, not just for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but for anyone around the league? Which one's looking most appetizing? Uh, which players are looking most appetizing to go to the Kraken? Because there is, like we've mentioned repeatedly uh, throughout this show here, there's lots of key names on the list for the Kraken to choose from. So uh, which players do you think is the most or we'll have the biggest impact and best fit going to Seattle. And which player has players rather have surprised you the most while they sit un unprotected on their respective clubs? So, Josh, what do you think of the protection lists and sort of what I just said, basically? Well, um, for starters, for the Leafs, at first I was thinking maybe they should have gone 7-3-1 like other teams and kind of protect McCann and Kerfoot, but they picked up McCann, I'm assuming, to – allow Kerfoot to leave and kind of fill in that role. So I think the 4-4-1 was definitely worth it. Like, I'm not complaining about it. Obviously, I am complaining about it because I'm a Habs fan. But I'm talking from, like, a Leaf fan's perspective. Um, I think everything is point, pointed for uh, the Kraken to take the Vancouver native, uh, Alex Kerfoot. It's closer to home for him. I don't think he'll he'll hate it that much. 
and he'll all, I think he'll I think he will be an important player for them. He'll he'll play a bigger role than he did on the Leafs, I think. And <clears throat> I mean that's what I think for that. Other players, I hate it. Like I love Max Domi, but like they're kind of the Kraken are kind of forced to take him. I think now it's looking like a terrible contract after last season, but it's Max Domi. He can either have a very good season or a very bad season. I'm hoping for him because I, I have a Max Domi jersey that he has a he has a big bounce back season after this huge slump. Because as of right now, he made Mark Bergevin look like a genius after after that trade last year with Josh Anderson. But other players that are I think are going to be extremely important are Mark Giordano. I think he's I think he's going to be a very solid leader, even though he's got a bit of a hefty price tag, especially for how old he is. I think he's going to be a great acquisition, assuming they take him. Um, Tampa, this is very important. Now we talked about this a little bit earlier, and I think a lot of people are just thinking, oh yeah, it's a no-brainer. Yanni Gord, he's not too old. He's he's a, a a solid centerman who can play the defensive game, and he's shown that he's got really good playoff talent and confidence. But but it's important to realize that Andre Palat and Alex Kalorn are both unprotected. What does that mean for the Seattle Kraken? Well, looking at who's unprotected right now, they look like they can have a team to win today or like next year, the year after, maybe even three, four years. There's no point in taking a bunch of young guys when you can take a few older guys like Alex Kalorn and win right now. Another player who's extremely important, who I was kind of surprised to see left unprotected, was Vladimir Tarasenko. Obviously, him also is pretty expensive, but and he hasn't produced that much lately, but I'd say it's due to injury. I'm expecting a bounce-back season from him. He's going to be easily like a very important piece for that team. Uh, I don't think there's a reason for Seattle not to take – We like, I mean, I like Ivoni has said – like there's no reason for Seattle not to take Tarasenko. Like you're not gonna take Vince Dunn over him, but uh, I don't think there's as of other players. I don't think there's much point in in taking uh, Gabriel Landeskog. He's a UFA and he's gonna ask for like 11 mil. So I don't know about that, but I haven't looked too much about who else they could take. I mean, you can look at Jan- Jonas Donskoy, who's not a, not a bad forward. He, he he could he could be a good third liner, second liner, assuming he plays well. <laughs> My goalie, Carey Price. Um, win-win situation for Montreal. We can talk about this a little bit after because I've been ranting, I've been rambling and going on for a little bit. I think it's a huge win-win for Montreal that they're leaving Price unprotected. I mean, I will talk about this after. I just want to hear you guys' opinion first, but. Let's 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 that's that's my view on it at least. So yeah, you mentioned a lot of key names, obviously, uh, with Gord, Tarasenko, and Tampa Bay leaving a bunch of not I wouldn't say players out to dry, but a lot of talent that Seattle Kraken can pick at, uh, as well as this is what I was very interested to. Hear. I want to hear Iboni's thoughts really badly on this one, and I really want I'm going to turn this one over to you actually right now before I get into any more players. Max Domi. Uh, what do you what do you think of him? I mean, he is on a his contract's a little hefty, one year at five point three million. He's twenty six years old, coming off 
I wouldn't say one downward season, but a couple seasons in a row where it's been going on a downward slope. So the production really hasn't been there. Injuries have sort of plagued that sort of style of play that he wants to go attribute to. But would it be a bad idea if the Kraken were to take Domi? Now, it's not like the Columbus Blue Jackets throwing a bunch of players that they have to take amid uh, Max Domi here. But I don't know. Like I, This is what I can see, and I really have a good time seeing this. Max Domi goes to Seattle and he turns his career around. I don't know. Do you buy into that at all, Iboni? Or do you think another player would suit the Seattle Kraken best from the Columbus Blue Jackets? Because he is an interesting player to look at and definitely an interesting story to follow. So what are your thoughts on that? Because I was really hoping to hear uh, that coming from you, who looks so in-depth to these sort of types of players. Good player, shit team. Uh, the guy's a mid-six uh, mid player. Uh, he's gotten 70 points before and he's probably an average 40-point getter. Uh, if he's playing on those mid uh, six lines, I think is a must take from the Columbus Blue Jackets. The only other person that I could see possibly getting taken uh, is Kevin Stenland. Uh, I don't just... think there's anyone else that can really, which is like a <laughs> massive the barrel. Of the barrel on if that. That's, if that's, looking, that's what I was if saying. Looking at it, if you're looking at it, like uh, the lists of people that are um, available, you got like Domi on like the top of the chart, and then you kind of got Stenland in the middle. And if you really want to get into it, uh, you can throw Dean Kukin like 10 feet below Kevin Stenland. <laughs> um, so I think that's really just a no-doubter. you got to take Max Domi here. Uh, Kevin who Stenland else, is not a bad player. <laughs> Kevin Stenland is not a bad player at all. Like, no, but he's not. Him, he's 24, but he's not a 40-point getter. And exactly. he's really kind of – it's a rare player to get. And if you can revive Max Domi's career, he could e- potentially even be a top-line player for you if you happen to – turn his career around which uh, I think is very much possible if you're playing with some of the amazing players that are still on this protected list here but okay so you go you go Domi and he obviously makes his way to the Kraken where's he going to play which sort of role is he going to take and you got to look at the contract too here 5.3 million for one year for a player that Max Domi has been playing towards with the recent style of play he's been using as well as the amount of points and the downwards trend of that, I don't know. Is do you think five point three million dollars is worth Domi? Uh, no. Domi in the way he's going to play because you mentioned the other players and the Columbus Blue Jackets obviously don't have too many players to offer that are going to be too intriguing or more intriguing rather than Max Domi. But I don't know. The contract situation is something that might play a little bit of a factor here. Do you want to take Domi's contract? Because taking Domi is a gamble. You got. I don't. I don't know. Uh, who was the other player you mentioned that was below Domi? On the Stenland. depth chart, Stenland. Stenland. What's his contract? Do you have the numbers up right now? Yeah, yeah, it's right here. It's eight hundred seventy-four thousand. But he's oh. uh, he's an RFA until twenty twenty-two. He's twenty-four years old. He's a right wing. Okay, so I mean, you're obviously money-wise, financial-wise, you're not going wrong at all taking Stenland. Uh, whereas Domi, you you're gonna bust five point three million a year, and you don't know what style of play or what you're gonna get from him. So I don't know. I mean, what, I, what do you think on that? Because don't don't me straight straightforward's the no brainer to take. But obviously, obviously. But he, here's what I think. Obviously, I'm a bit biased because I love Max Domi. He's he's. I bought a jersey of him for a reason when he was on Montreal. But when I look at him, I at first when I saw it, I was like, you know what? You don't touch Max Domi. You look at Stenland. But at the same time, it's like if Max Domi has a good season and he find and he fits well with the team. He's gonna be more than worth that five million, like he was on that first season with Montreal. He has seventy-two points in eighty-two games. That's a good season for five mil. That's a good season. So I mean, I mean, I think it's possible if he plays with the right players. Obviously, he's a centerman, which is 
70-point centerman is pretty good in my eyes if he's playing on the second or third line. I so. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that if he's playing on the second line, he's making $5 million bucks. Even if he gets 40, 40, like mid-40 points on the second line, I think he's more than capable uh, of something that Kevin Stenland could probably never do in his career. And I'm sorry, but uh, I don't think his potential is all that high. Uh, if he can get Max Stenland back to somewhat of what he's been uh, and obviously it all depends on who else they take, right? Like if he's going to be playing second line or third line, if he's playing third line, uh, that's where it gets a little bit risky, but, and maybe you throw him on the wing of the second line. Um, mm-hmm. But it really just comes down to the other sentiments that you take in the draft in the expansion draft. Um, but you kind of build your team around that and you, you don't really have a choice in taking Matt Stomey um, unless you kind of want to take a safer option with Kevin Stenland, but I don't think it's a whole lot of a risk. I mean, Stoney. another like, thing you have 20, to take in, sorry, go finish, finish off. Uh, 20, it's my last point. Sorry. Uh, oh, 23 yeah, no, point. I think it's like, I don't, I don't have the exact numbers, like 23 points and like 50 something. Games. 24 like, points and 54. That's not even that bad on a struggling team. This guy was bounced from like first line to like fourth line and a healthy scratch. Like this guy's like all over the place and, you're playing with John Tortorella, like it's just that's, not that's, that's what I was gonna bring up. Situation. I was gonna say, right. like, you also have Get to bring up there. the fact that Max Domi, like every Jesus Christ, Patrick Line looked terrible with looked terrible with Tortorella behind the bench. Tortorella is putting Patrick Line on the fourth line. I like he. I love Tortorella. I, I, I Jesus, I'm like I like Columbus. He's what gonna go down fuck? as one of the best coaches to <laughs> never win. To never win. He, he's a great coach. I, no, I, don't, like, I don't care what anyone says. He has his style, but he does know how to get things done. I think that we talked about him before. Clearly so. not this year, though. Clearly no, not. I mean, when so you're, looking, when you're working with a Columbus is... team like that, I don't think you've got much room to work with when it comes I to mean, winning. But uh, with, the, with the Patrick Liney situation you mentioned, they, I fully agree with that. You should like, not he be didn't give him – obviously he's a good coach, but he didn't give – like Patrick Liney is the player where – is the type of player where you need to let him be creative. You need to let him play his game, and he'll produce for you. Best example: the one time Patrick Line went end to end, he scored. I know, and I he know had a, he got a highlight real goal. So like it, when you put Patrick Line in that spot where he's where you know he's going to score, which he wasn't put there for some reason, he's going to score. And I feel like the same way with Max Domi. That's why you can't underestimate his talent because he had zero freedom to play the way he played, which obviously. As you can see, it changes play style, and clearly it wasn't for the better. So I mean, obviously he's a feisty little guy. Uh, he's he's got a lot of fight in him, but he's also a skill forward who can get points if you really need him to. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that as well. Uh, we're kind of steering a little bit towards uh, John Tortorella rather than Max Domi, so I'm going to kind of steer the conversation toward not only just the player but just the Kraken in general, obviously. The show is all about the Seattle Kraken, who they're going to take and why. And it, this is the big point that I also want to look at as well. If you're taking Max Domi and you're Ron Francis, no matter which way this plays out, you look like a genius. He does very well in a change of scenery. And I don't like to use that word change of scenery simply because Domi has had so many chances with a change of scenery. He went from Arizona to Montreal and now to Columbus. And he's likely going to be the candidate or the leading candidate, at least, to go to Seattle Kraken. So I don't think this change of scenery is going to help him any bit. But I definitely think if it does help him, you look like a genius there. If it doesn't work and uh, Domi falls down the depth chart and he's not really getting points for your team, maybe he's going to be ending up playing fourth line minutes. You still look, I wouldn't say 
obviously that $5.3 million for a guy playing on a one-year contract, playing fourth line minutes, not something you obviously want to see, but you still look like a genius because it's better than you, who you were else were you going to take on the Columbus Blue Jackets in, uh, what was his name again? I keep forgetting this guy's name. Kevin Stenland. Stenland. The reason why I'm forgetting his name is because there's no way he should be taken by the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> However, uh, if, if you're Ron Francis, I think taking Domi is a win-win. I don't think you lose this thing. If he does well, you look like a genius. That's kind of my main point here. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with the points you make as well with uh, not just Tortorella. I don't want to spend too much time on him. But uh, with the way Max Domi was playing, he's a piss and vinegar kind of guy. Uh, he really gets up in your face. And uh, you mentioned Josh. He's a small guy with a big heart, and he really gets in people's faces, and that's the way he plays. And if he's going to put points alongside with that, we saw it when he was uh, coming up with the Team Canada and everything that he's done to that point with the Montreal Canadiens when he had that breakout season. Oh, he's a great player that you can have when he's rolling. So if you're Ron Francis, I think you're going that way as well. And I want to ask you this question. And Iboni, you mentioned this one. Or not, I wouldn't say this one, but this big point you made. It depends on where Seattle wants to go. Who they want to build their team around with was the words you used. And I'm going to turn this over with a player that I find very interesting, uh, simply because he's one of my personal favorite players in the league. He goes by the name of Mark Giordano. You might see him. You can spot him from a distance in a, in a, in a train station in a big crowd. You can really see that beam of light flash off his bald head. A great, great talent on the defensive end for the Flames. Uh, 37 years of age, however, and his contract is a little hefty for the way he's been playing. And obviously he is getting some miles on him as the days go by. And he was a great captain for the Calgary Flames. I don't think anyone can dispute that. Uh, I think this is what my question is to you, Iboni. Do you want to build around Mark Giordano? No. Um, <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. He's 37. He's making, uh, he's making Nylander money for the next year. Um, and you could be choosing other players like, uh, and there's not a whole lot to choose from in Calgary. Uh, this is one team where I really struggled to find someone. And there's two people that I kept bouncing between. And that was, um, Brett Ritchie and Oliver Killington or Killington, however you want to say, actually, no, sorry. There was one more player and it was Dominic Simone. Uh, those three players are kind of where I think he's going to go with. I really, really hope that he does not go the Mark Giordano route. This guy is so old. Um, he does know a lot about the league and he still can put up numbers and he's shown that he can, but with that cap hit, I'm sorry. That's just, you can't do anything with that. There's so many better options and so many better ways you can use that money. And that's what it's going to come down to for uh, Ron Francis and the crack and what they're going to do with that money. Now, $6.75 million. You mentioned he's making Nylander money for the way he plays. Definitely nowhere near the money he should be making. And this is, you also mentioned a kind of this point where, you don't have to take the most headline name on any given roster when you're Ron Francis taking players here. Uh, it, it, depending on who you build your team around, uh, that'll dictate which players you take. And you're not going to be taking maybe the best player available. Giordano, obviously, I don't know, would you consider him the best player available on that Flames team? At least the unprotected no. list? Person, no. okay. Who would you rank <laughs> above him? Let's put the age aside, though. Dominic Simone. Still, and Oliver Kylington. Yeah, really. Okay, That's here's the way I see it. I'm I'm gonna look at his past few years. This was a shortened season, so I'm not really gonna judge on how he played. Which he didn't play that bad. He was plus five, and he got 26 points in 56 games as a defenseman who does both play solid defense and kind of produces once in a while. And he wasn't on the first power play because that was Rasmus Anderson. <clears throat> so you got to take that into account. You have to also remember 
I think it was three years ago, he won the Norse. Two years ago, he won the Mark Messier Leadership Award. Obviously, he's 37 years old, but he brings a lot of leadership and a lot of hard work onto that team. I love him. I think, I don't know, I just I just love Mark Giordano. Obviously, <laughs> you got to bring up that, that cap hit, which is pretty heavy. Obviously, they have $82 million to spend, but you also want to spend more money on, like, guys like uh, Tarasenko. So I'm, I am I would lean both ways. I really like Giordano, and I would take him, but I wouldn't be upset if they took Simone. Now, I'm, I'm going to side with Iboni simply because he brings up the probably the most valuable point here the, when it comes down to money. Now, you have so much only so much money to play with here if you're Ron Francis. It seems like so much money, but at the end of the day, this contract is not worth the style of play that Giordano is producing. You mentioned what he's done in the past, Josh, and that's all uh, fine and dandy, but taking that much money for a guy to his pedigree is definitely not worth it. And I'm going to ask you this, Iboni. Is there a cheaper route you can go to that you'll get leadership that you will get from Mark Giordano? Because you know with Giordano, you're getting good leadership in the locker room. Those are things that money can't can't pay enough of that. Are we talking outside of just Calgary? Well, obviously, you don't have to take a guy right away. Not not from Calgary. You can go any team. You can go any team in the National Hockey League. Is there going to be a guy that you can take? Say say that say the Seattle Kraken go with Simone, and that's that's perfectly fine. I think that's the route they're obviously going to trend towards because Simone uh, definitely much more younger than Giordano and much more skillful than Giordano at this moment in time. But still, the thing that Giordano has over Simone and what Giordano has over almost every player in this protection list that have are available towards the Seattle Kraken to take from. Is that his not only his experience being of that age, but his leadership role? And I don't think we're going to come here and dispute uh, Giordano and what he's done for this Calgary Flames team. He's been there through thick and thin. He's led their players to I wouldn't say tremendously deep playoff runs, but he's gotten them there, and that's a big step in the right direction if you're looking to build your player, or build your team around a player. So, is there a cheaper route you can go for from any team? PK Subban. Oh, okay, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Go take Bieksa while you're at it. <laughs> Uh, they're both loved to be on TV, but no, I, serious, I, serious question. Yeah. I, I mean, who, who yeah. could you, who could you use before I give you my answer? I'm just going to say that's basically like paying Joe Thornton, that kind of money just to be on your team. He's like a bench player um, who kind of motivates your team. Anyways, um, Washington Capitals, he won a cup recently. Brendan DeLoyne, uh, just shy of $4 million. Brendan Dillon. UFA, Sorry, I say DeLoyne. Sometimes it's Dylan. I don't know. I'm, I change it up. <laughs> Anyways, Bob uh, he's, 30, he's 30 years old. He's won a cup. He's making $3.9 million until 2024. Um, a much better player, and he's definitely got some numbers on him as well. Uh, much younger, and he can play a top pairing for them, which I actually have him slotted in as a top pairing defenseman um, for the team, which is really interesting. And he gives that leadership style, and he's won a cup before. He knows what it takes. Uh, it's just something that's really beneficial to have on that team. And they do have two things in common. They do have two shiny things held to their name. Now, Giordano <laughs> has a shiny forehead, but uh, Dylan here has a shiny sort of hardware piece that he has just recently won uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, I think that's another key factor. Giordano hasn't won a shot. Brendan Dylan, Dylan with Brendan, Brendan Dylan? Dylan? Yeah. Is it Brendan? Thought he Dylan? Played for the, Brendan Dylan, Capitals. didn't he play for the Capitals? Capitals. He won the yeah. cup with the Capitals, not the Lightning. 
Oh, I said Capitals. Yeah, I oh, didn't no. say Lightning. <laughs> no, I was no, no, say, no, I don't remember him in no, the Lightning. No, no. Washington. <laughs> Washington. Yeah, I was okay. gonna say Washington. Regardless, he has a cup to his name, and I think that values him a lot more uh, than Giordano. Obviously, you mentioned with the money. I believe you said three point four. I want to say three point nine. Three point nine, and that's definitely or three. And how many years? Uh, he's got he's until twenty twenty four. He's expired. Yeah, so, he, so definitely years. less money. Definitely the cheaper route with more value. I think that would be a better route to go to uh, than if you're going to go with Mark Giordano. So I think that's all I really wanted to ask of you, really, Boney. Which guy would you replace? And is Giordano that valuable of a name coming from the uh, the Calgary Flames organization? So I guess we'll have to wait and see which way they Ron Francis goes with this team. Uh, I don't know. We're going to see what the, I think that first move he's going to make is going to be extremely important. It's going to show, uh, I wouldn't say the first move, but the first series of moves is going to show which way he's going to speculate his team around. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, to say the least. And before we get into uh, Carey Price here, is there any other guys that you think are have surprised you that yeah. have hit the unprotected list? I want to hear your I, thoughts on this too. I have a I have a lot, and I'll go through them really quick. Um, no, no, you don't need time. Take your time. It's up to you. Okay, okay. Just because uh, I see a lot, and I think that all the managers kind of discuss amongst themselves. We're going to leave a bunch of players that are making about five to seven million dollars available, and then protect all of our rookies. Like, all of our younger people. I think that's kind of the meeting that they all had. They left Nino Niederreiter protected. And they... Sorry, unprotected. He's unprotected. Except they decided to protect War, Warren Fogle and Jesper Fast ahead of him. Which is a little mm. bit weird for me. Uh, I don't think Niederreiter should have been protected. Jesper Fast? Yeah, over... Uh, over Niederreiter? Nino Niederreiter. This guy I had, like, 40 like points that. last year. I know, Niederreiter oh, was decent. Not to mention... Um, they left. I'm surprised that Nazem Kadu is protected. Uh, he's got one more year on his contract. He's making 4.5 million dollars, and he just and he doesn't play in the playoffs. Just recently got a suspension again in the playoffs, and it kind of costed his team the playoff series. Not gonna lie. Uh, well, we heard that one before. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, another one who I'm surprised. Uh, I think it's Ben Bishop. I'm surprised that he waived his no move clause. Uh, I think he's going to, if they end up taking him, he's going to be like the next Flurry, uh, goes to the expansion team and just absolutely pops off. Um, I think that he could be one of those guys. Just that take, does in, that. take in. The Seattle Kraken can literally have, I'd say, the best goalie pairing we've, we've ever yeah, seen. They're going to have the best Like Carey Price and Ben Bishop. That would be oh, expensive, and I don't think that, they would ever do that. No, it would be expensive, but I mean – It'd be the best goalie pair we've ever that's seen. Gonna get, that's going to get me in. I have another I have another player soon who's really cheap and would fit a better role. Uh, I'll get into that just a little bit later. I have a bunch, a bunch more names. Evgeny Svechnikov left unprotected. Yet they protected Giovanni Smith. Do you know who that is? Yeah, I know Giovanni Smith. I played against I've his brother. His name, but he's not. I played against his little brother. <laughs> he's not very popular. Evgeny Svechnikov. When he Wait, does he have a, Josh, does he have a bunch of brothers? Yeah. His okay. other brother just that won the cup. His yeah, brother thinking, just won in Tampa. Yeah, we're thinking of the same guy then. Yeah. Okay. Go on, Ivan. Uh, Josh Archibald was protected over Dominic Cahoon, which is a little bit rare because Dominic Cahoon is a major role player for them. And he was actually one of the only players that was able to produce points without McDavid on his line, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, Ken Holland is really trying to get fired. Oh, my God, for real. <laughs> you want me to get him free? Um, <laughs> Patrick Hornquist was protected. And yet, Alexander Wenberg, Frank, oh, sorry, not Wenberg, Petrano, Achari, Waltmark were all unprotected. And Josh Lamico was also unprotected. But they protected 
34 year old, $5.3 million making Patrick Hornfist. Very surprised. Yeah, but, but I, th- I think I'm from, I don't know if it's if it's true, but I kind of heard that they're going to do a side deal for Chris Trieger. Yeah, but I mean, he's a UFA. I don't know if they'll end up taking him just because it's a little bit of a risk, especially since there's so many goaltender options. I don't know if they're going to go with a UFA yeah, I mean, and just kind of risk I think that. the, like, the, the I, most I notable ones are like, like you could grab Ben Bishop, Chris Trieger. Uh, I don't know if Kakinen's worth it. He's all right. I think Hakkinen's worth it, and that's who I was I, getting into next. Yeah. Either him or Vitek Vanacek. He played all I right, too. Vanacek, there's um, better options on the Capitals that I feel are worth it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's yeah. why you would take, like, Kakinen. I mean, who else would you take from Minnesota? I mean, not really Victor Rask over uh, Kakinen. Carson Soucy is an option, but that's about it. Exactly. Yeah. So I'd, I'd say best option would be take if if you had like yeah, obviously you to, unless you want to like pick up a healthy like pick up Victor Rasker who the Susie has like a, yeah, a healthy scratch right exactly four million dollars for healthy scratch four million dollars for healthy scratch that is not worth it. <laughs> Iboni, what do you think if they run Drieger and Kakinen as their two goals? I think that it's not good enough, and you could do better. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. That, but that's the thing here. Like you're not going to spend as much money. On Drieger and Kakinen, if you go get Price and Bishop, no, you're that's, not going to get Price and Bishop. That's the thing. You're not going to get Price and Bishop. You're going to get maybe Price, and that's it. Or Bishop, and then get like a solid backup. Or Bishop. You cannot get both. You cannot. Either that's, way, that you're you're putting a lot of money down the goaltending exactly. position. I mean, it's and, I mean it's important, but like you it's also important, but it's not up, like you also got to keep some money for big I think, big forwards. I think right? There's a budget. There's a budget that you got to use. You cannot go over $12 million. I, I would even argue maybe even $10 million for your goaltenders. And that's why I hate Montreal because they have 10 and a half on one. And granted, he's a really good goaltender. It's just a little bit pricey for your goaltenders. Hey, look, I mean, for Montreal, the, the price thing, I don't think it's a bad – I don't think it's a terrible thing at all. I think Montreal's in a win-win yeah. right now. Montreal's in a win-win. Like, you either lose a great goalie that opens 10 mil cap space for a bigger player like, who knows, maybe Landis Cog, maybe Hamilton, or Blake Coleman. Like, some, you, you don't some guys – Hey, hey, hey! Ten million dollar hey, contract. You don't want to hey, I'm not. I'm not saying it has to be ten mil. But oh, I, mean, I know. That's just, that's just like it opens a spot, guys. right? Because like, I, I like what also you have to also take in like Weber and Dano are most likely not like not returning. Weber's not gonna, is Weber's going to be on LTIR, so that opens up a lot of money for who maybe like I doubt Seth Jones, but either Seth Jones or Dougie Hamilton to fill in that spot if possible. Because they, they would have the money to spend on him, right? And then yeah. in terms of forwards, if you don't get uh, what's his name, um, if you don't get uh, Philip Deneau back, you can. I, I think it'd be controversial because he had a lot of beef with the players on the Habs. But uh, Blake Coleman, he'd be. A, I'd love to see Blake Coleman in a Habs jersey. You know? Yeah. I don't know who would not he's not too. He's not. He's not. He's he's not. He's, he's not. A ex- nice gritty player. He's, he's really a gritty good. player, but he also can score he goals if goals. you need him to. Yeah. He's a he's a yeah, very so, like you uh, had to take in two two years ago he was a first liner on New Jersey. Oh, granted, it's New Jersey, but he yeah. was a first liner. He was the best player on New Jersey, and now he's a third liner on Tampa. That's how good they were. Yeah, yeah. So Cam Talbot, I'm surprised that the 34 year old netminder was protected over Capo Kakinen, who was very well proven last year. Um, but but very, Talbot did have an unreal season. He, Talbot he did. did. Good. 
He, he did. Played the latter half of the season was very promising for him. I Especially he picked, he picked the, the pieces back up in, in the his playoffs. Career. He With played good. Over Kakin in the role? In the playoffs. That's, the, that's, that's the thing. That's what they wanted to bank on. You know how Minnesota works here. Yeah. They, they never, got... very rarely bank on the youth. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a fair statement. I'm very surprised that Ryan Johansson was left. Uh, oh, my goodness. Um, his contract exposed. is not His contract is though. not very good. It's but good. It's if you're protected, you protected Tanner Janot over him. Like I don't even know who that man is. And you you left. They they protected. Hurts. They protected three forwards. That was very surprising. Like I'm looking at that. Like you're not going to protect Matthew Shane. His contract is huge. He's older and he's not very. He's not producing very well. But they're trying to get rid of that entire Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and. Oh, who was that other guy that just got traded? Victor Arvidsson. Victor Arvidsson. They're trying to get rid of that whole line. They've been playing together for five years, and they're trying that's, to get rid of that entire that's line. That's not smart. I'm sorry. I love like I love Nashville. Yeah. Too. They're, they're not, they were they 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 have been good for a while. That was not the move. Getting rid of Arvidsson. Yeah. I'm sorry. And they left Cali like, Yarncroke open too, and they're protecting Cali, people I know, that I've why? never even heard wait, wait, heard wait, 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 of. Wait, they they left Cali Yarncroke open. Yeah, I think and they that'd be a great Alex pick. Instead. That would be a it great, great pick. pick. I, th- I mean, I'd almost say that over Johansson because it's just just because he's an, cheaper. You get a number one center out of that hatch. You get a number one. You get a number one center. You get a number one center, or you get a player who's always going to be. I'd say I'd say he's a consistent mediocre player. Yeah, nothing, get, nothing get, super noticeable, but nothing like. But if, for get, the price that he's he's getting paid, right? Two mil. Yeah, you so get for two mil, you're getting a good. You get Yarncroft at two mil for one year, or you get Johansson at eight mil for four. Mm. Johansson yeah, can be your franchise yeah. starter for True. four years. I, I see him playing like a James Neal role on that team. Really, really? I don't know. I, don't I just, so. I just see him like that, man. All right, or like okay. a William well, you, Carl. You can have your opinion there, yeah. But, uh, uh, I saw a couple more. Like Jordan Eberle. Jordan Everly, that is something. They protected Matt Martin and not Jordan (laughs) Everly and not Josh Bailey. But they protected Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin. Lou, Lou, Lou is never going to hear this. You're (laughs) a fantastic GM, one of the best GMs of all time. We talked about you in a few episodes ago. You have made some fantastic moves. This was not the show. This is not it. This is not it. I, I understand what he's trying to do. Though. He's trying to clear the cap space because they're very, very tight to the cap. And they, they just shipped Andrew Ladd off for nothing. They I know. Want, yes. They want to uh, extend. Andrew Ladd's contract will be easily filled by Alan Pellet because they're trying to sign Pellet to a long-term deal. And signing him to that deal will basically fill up Andrew Ladd's contract. So but, they're, they're trying to ship out some big contracts. But, man, how much, how, how much, was, uh, how much is uh, Everly's contract? 5.5 and Bailey's 5. But he's playing good. He is. He's playing playing so both fair. of them are playing good. Yeah. Like 40-point seasons. Everly's been younger, though. Like, he's younger than Josh Bailey. One year one year younger. Oh, he's only Oh, no, sorry. Same age, same age, same age. The same age. Oh, I thought Josh Bailey was a little older. Yeah, yeah, but, like, Everly's not playing. Like, without him. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see why Lou doesn't have to think that, though. Like, they think there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to think that he could win without Josh Bailey or Everly. Oh, no, that team is good. If you if you lock up uh, Pollock for a while, like and you're Pellick. even talking Pollock and Pollock, both of them. Like, no Dobson. 
It's because looking. I don't. I don't think this whatever happens with the New York Islanders. And it's gonna affect them. This this you think it's gonna affect them? That no, I much? said it's not gonna affect them. Oh, okay. Because yeah, like it's, it, it, I, I think they're too rich in depth in depth, and I think Lou will still if and if if it were to affect him, I still think he'd pull some strings and maneuver some stuff around and get his team back to where it should be. He's a great GM. He won the uh, GM of the Year award for a reason, and I, I think Lou has this under control. He knows what he's doing. He's already he been through this one before too. <laughs> He's done this song and dance before when it came to the last expansion draft. So I think he has it under control. Right. But man, I would have loved. I, I I think either Eberly or Bailey, both one of the two are going to yeah. go, 100%. and it's going to be a really really good addition for Seattle. Oh yeah, top if, if not the first, top if not the, it's, it's a top line player who's looking like he might play on the second line. Could possibly, yep. Definitely I mean, just. Team. Just for two, for example, would be let's just let's just say they take Johansson and Tarasenko. That's <laughs> who, who are you gonna and add? And then let's Eberly. Just, Eberly, that's a good that's a first line. line. That's a that's a solid. That's better than Montreal's top line. Now, maybe not in a is. few years, but now because yeah, I think now. Montreal's top line, which I'm gonna assume it's gonna be Suzuki, Caulfield, okay. and either actually, actually, I'd just say go to Foley. Or Anderson, that's a solid first line. But a Tarasenko, Everly, Johansson as an expansion team in your first year, that should not be allowed. Yeah, yeah well, I, there's gonna be we're gonna be saying this a lot throughout not only the show but for the next couple of months and obviously the next couple of years or so. Seattle's gonna have some good players coming to them, and we're gonna revisit this unprotected list. We gotta kind of move on here. The clock's kind of mm-hmm. ticking. Uh, we're going to revisit the unprotected list, who's been protected, and who's still left to be taken for Seattle. We'll be getting into it uh, at the end of the show. I think that's fair to say. Uh, we got to move on to Carey Price here. Uh, we've been sort of aching to talk to him for a while, uh, and he is probably the biggest sort of – he's been stealing the story of this expansion draft, I'd say. He has the biggest price tag to his name, and he has probably the biggest impact that he can provide uh, for the Seattle Kraken if they were to go that route. Now, the Habs – uh, did shock the hockey world, like we've mentioned time and time again on the show last night, when they left Carey Price unprotected. And Josh, I was the first one to message you probably about this news because I was blown away on my mind. I didn't want even want to see your reaction to it. But uh, he is free to the taking now for the newly wedded Kraken. Now, after leading his side to an unlikely Stanley Cup final appearance just weeks ago, the Canadian's net miner waived his no-movement clause on his own terms to leave his massive contract in the hands of Ron Francis and kind of... Deal, let the Kraken sort of handle it. Now, Price, he does hold a cap hit, if you haven't really been hearing things here, $10.5 million, and he is signed through 2025-2026. And he does own, and this is also another key part that has been sort of undermined here, an $11 million signing bonus to be paid in the full come September. Now, the Habs are taking a massive gamble uh, with this move and have pushed the envelope towards the Kraken uh, off the gun here, off the chute. Uh, a totally baller move by Mark Bergevin and the Habs, forcing Seattle to make a decision on whether or not they should take on Price's massive contract. Now, it would not be a bad idea to select a franchise goalie with a big payroll. Uh, the Golden Knights did so with taking Flurry that we saw in 2017, and he also added on to it with the acquisition of Robin Leonard. Now, this will significantly... Uh, this will signify which areas the Kraken will pri- prioritize their money to the most if they were to acquire Carey Price. And before this came, this news came out after I made my notes and everything about this uh, sort of podcast and Carey Price. He is also apparently, and I don't know if this is so true or not, but 
Uh, he's definitely dealing with an injury from the past playoff run as well as the season. Uh, I believe it's a growing yes, injury, he might, I want to say. I'm pretty sure it's knee. He might need surgery on his knee. Yeah, and he might need surgery and he might miss. I don't know if they said entirety of next no. season, but a huge part. What going on, buddy? The, the funny part is that they said that more information, the next update will be the day after the expansion draft. Oh, that's that's which makes me think. Oh, makes man. me think oh, that first this man at his finest. That's why he makes the big bucks. <laughs> oh, I, that that's that's a, that's very funny to look at. You, so they're gonna release him, and then they're gonna say, "Oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hand the kid Ron Francis is gonna be feeling like a kid in the next couple of days with the amount of money he's gonna be spending here." Uh, you're going to put this thing in his hands and say, hey, listen, you can take this. It is perfectly fine. We're going to give it right to you. We're going to leave it on the table. They're going to have to pay some big money for it, but hey, you can have him right now. But also, You can have a guy who just led a team to the Stanley yeah, Cup he's final. he's a franchise goaltender. He was in Vezina Talks, one of the best, uh, well, I think you could say it right now, one of the generational best uh, generational talents to maybe still got some time to not win a cup as of right now. However, they, the Montreal Canadiens, Bergevin, especially, push the envelope right to uh, Ron Francis. Go ahead, take him. And Ron Francis is probably there like, oh, yeah, he's salivating. He wants this goalie. He wants a carry price. It's I think better, any team in the National Hockey, hockey SpongeBob, I don't need it. I yeah, exactly. Don't need it. And then the, every, the whole hockey world's in shock. And he's like, oh, yeah, but he's going to be injured next year. And then Ron Francis <laughs> is probably like, oh, well, I don't know. He's probably ca- calling Carey Price right now. He's like, hey, man, you, you actually injured <laughs> I, I need to know before I make this decision. But that is a, that is an extremely interesting story. Uh, that's the first thing I thought, Josh. I, I'm glad that you mentioned it uh, about the injury and what the Montreal Canadiens are kind of doing here. It was it's pretty fun to hey, but see how it's going to play out. Look, it, let's just say they do take him. Uh, I, the the only reason I won't be too mad about it is because it gives Caden Primo like a little bit more light. And it gives him more, more. Eventually, he's gonna have to step up. You know, he's looking like the most promising goalie prospect for Montreal right now. So, assuming you have Allen as a starter and Primo as a backup, don't think it's gonna look too bad for the future of goaltending for Montreal. If Price leaves, and what's the worst that happens? You simply get a generational generational goaltender back, and you get to hopefully go for another cup run. Mm-hmm. And you also have to look at it this way too. We always mention here when we're talking Carey Price, the price tag with him. Uh, if he's ending off getting shipped to Seattle, uh, you have a lot of money to spend as a fan, Josh. Mark Bergevin can go free willy with this new $10.5 million. Oh, oh my God. He could the buy the possibilities so are kind of endless, especially with the has being an intriguing, des- intriguing destination to come to after this magical I, I guess you could say stanley cup playoff run that saw them go all the way down to the finals and maybe take it a little bit to the Tampa bay lightning but yeah if you're i think you mentioned this before throughout this show it, it could be a win-win for the montreal canadians and i think i'm in the same boat with you as well you don't want to see it as a habs fan i'm sure you'll be the first one to admit this you don't want to see your franchise goalie this is by far the goalie that you've been growing up watching and oh, yeah. in seattle over a situation like this but it is definitely a possibility. I don't know how big of a possibility do you see it as uh, with the Seattle Kraken acquiring Carey Price, but the price tag that he holds. I just I want I want to give you a better answer, and I feel like this is just kind of a basic answer. I think it's fifty fifty. Uh, it's kind of a coin toss. I think that um, it really. I just mean, depends. it is a coin toss. Technically. It is, and it really just depends. It's like, who else are you going to take from? 
from the Habs. I mean, you could take a Drew in, but apparently he's on the IR and he's making a high, really high cap hit for a player who's probably only a second second line player. He hasn't been producing. Um, you can take a Paul Paul Byron. He's getting up there in age. He's got a pretty hefty contract. Um, just it's it, it's a matter of what do they want to go with, and I think it's kind of a fifty fifty shot uh, as to is he going to go with his gut decision or is he not going to go with his gut decision. I think it's just um, if he if he, however he feels in the moment, he can think about it all he wants and play out all these situations in his head. But uh, once the clock comes down to it, I think that he's going to end up going with whatever his gut tells him to do. And um, I, think I have a feeling they're not going to like that. I have a feeling they're not going to take him. I, just, but, I don't uh, know why. Really, I just have a gut feeling they're not going to take him and everybody's going to freak out. But it'd then... be really nice for them to do it, though, just to kind of see all the reactions and see how well he plays. Uh, and I'd like to have my hot take be true. But um, under real circumstances, I don't think that he's actually going to get taken, per se. Uh, but I, I think the odds are 50-50. And I was going to mention that as well, Iboni. You, you have a hot take that actually <laughs> may very well, and it was a crazy hot take, that may very well come to fruition. So uh, I was going to credit to you when we get to our hot take segment after uh, these Wait, that was your hot take that they take him? I, yeah. I don't know if you were on the show yet, Josh, but <laughs> you said that take. the Seattle Kraken were going to take uh, take uh, Carey Price in the expansion draft, and it actually might come true. But uh, judging by your answer, Funny Josh, enough, I think you're um, feeling... Go, go, go ahead, go ahead. My hot take was actually going to be that <laughs> um, Seattle takes uh, Price and then Montreal doesn't re-sign Deneau because he's asking for too much money, which makes room to sign Blake Coleman and potentially Dougie Hamilton. That's a very, that's a very, very hot take. But I, I just want Dougie Hamilton so bad. Montreal has the money to pay him. And with how he's been playing, there's no reason not to pay him. So... Well, they, th- they would have much most of the money if uh, no, Price but Shea, Shea Weber's Shea Weber's not not there, yeah, right? You could you could put him. Did, did they leave him unprotected? Yes, yeah, they did. injured. They're not going to take him. They're not going to take him. Obviously, so he's going to be put on LTR, which is going to free up even more money. So yeah, say yeah. Josh, say Price walks, and so does Weber. Well, not Weber walks, but Weber goes on LTIR. The yeah, amount of money that yeah, you're going to be getting back, how would how would you how would you feel about how would you feel about that? Um, those are two big players. You have to remember. If you lose Price. Oh my God! Sorry, if you lose price and Weber goes on LTIR, you have seven over seventeen million dollars in capital. Oh, you just exactly. Up. That, that's that's what I was going to go to. I wouldn't oh be God. upset whatsoever because Montreal, I think they would be a powerhouse next year. Like with who they lose, don't get me wrong; it's two huge players, but they got so, and and you also got to take uh, Dano away because. He's asking for, I'm pretty sure, 5.5 or 6 mil for a guy who scores like 13 goals in like two years. I love him. Great defensive player. Super important role. He wins draws and everything. You're not 5.5, 6 mil. Let's be honest. Not even Hyman's that much. Exactly. Not, not even Hyman's that much. So I don't see Deneau getting that money. And it's most likely that he's going to walk, right? So assuming you get rid of Deneau and like three three very important players. That's like close to 20 mil, if not more than 20 mil to spend. And with the team that Montreal already has around it, where you got Suzuki and you got Caulfield and Anderson now looking like he's going to step up, I think, I think Montreal's going to look good. Like they're going to, they, they're going to have the money and they're going to, they're going to attract big players with this money and say, Hey, if you want to come join us, we'll pay you. 
the Montreal Canadiens, in my opinion, are turning into this sort of situation is brewing where, do you know those books? It's like you make your own story kind of book and you can yeah. flip to these pages and see what's going to happen. I think yeah. that's what it's coming to be, or it could potentially come to be with the Montreal Canadiens. Because you, Josh, I know, obviously I'm not a Montreal Canadiens fan, so I can't really speak on your behalf or from that fan base, but it's sort of like you kind of want to see Obviously, you don't want to see Weber go on LTIR, but you sort of want to see what's going to happen with Weber on the LTIR and Price leaving. What the Montreal Canadiens can do, and if that would be much more beneficial and advantageous for their team, because they, I think, and you said this as well, I think they can skyrocket their their stock can skyrocket to oh, absolutely. a potential powerhouse team. I think I think the amount even... of the amount of money you can spend and combine that with a top, like if you go for your top line and get a top end talent forward, and you put them with Suzuki and Caulfield. That could that is a top three to five line in the National Hockey League. You gotta and realize Caulfield, Caulfield hasn't even played his rookie season yet. He played really? ten regular season games, and look, and he came into the playoffs looking like he's been there before, putting all over half a point a game. That's absolutely. I think that's unreal. Like that's really good. And then you also have to bring in the fact that Montreal, their defense, their defense, like like if 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 uh, Weber's gone, Romanov's gonna step up in a much more important spot, and he's looking like he's ready for that. And then you also add the other prospects like Caden Gooley, six foot three goal scoring defenseman. What can you ask for more than that? And then he hasn't he hasn't even touched NHL ice. Uh, you you can also bring up uh, Ryan Paling, who hasn't seen much, but put him put him on a line with good players. Like put put him put him in in the center position for Deneau, and who knows maybe he can maybe he can step it up, play pretty well, or like you said, just pay the big bucks for some for some big big top talent, and just go for another cup run. So Montreal has so many options here, which is what I'm so excited about. I haven't been this excited to watch Montreal in the future in a long time. You wish Jack Eichel was a UFA. Oh my God, do I wish Jack Eichel was a UFA right now? Because I Montreal Montreal would pay him, no question. Oh my, what's he a UFA? Oh, uh, a long time. That massive deal. I think it's at least four years. Fudge. That would have been. Imagine if Jack Eichel and they're not going to trade for Jack Eichel that'd just be stupid they don't have the assets exactly no no they have the assets they have the but you'd have to trade like Caulfield and Suzuki for him like not a chance I I would I would literally stop being an Habs fan if they traded them for for uh I mean, I, I I didn't even bring up. There's a there's another defenseman who I started looking at lately because I looked into Montreal's prospects a little bit for a little bit further. Um, there's this one guy who plays in the NCAA. I think he plays for Northeastern. I want to say his name is Jaden Strubble. He was a second round pick a few years ago. Didn't look terrible. He got 12 points in 18 games as a defenseman in the NCAA, and he's not looking terrible either. He's a he's a He's six foot two oh five, pretty big boy. He's also only nineteen years old. So for defense defensemen, Montreal's got a lot of prospects. Now I think they gotta look for a big forward to just completely change this team. Yeah, and let's let's just pump the brakes a little bit here on this uh the amount of money that Montreal's gonna have to spend. Obviously Shea Weber hitting LTIR, you're gonna have that money, but 
Let's just little, let's pump the brakes here on Carey Price. We don't know what's going to happen. Gone for yet. Sure. He's not gone yet. He's not gone yet. So let's. We're, this is wishful thinking here, Josh. I think we can both agree on that. I'm wishing, but but uh, yeah, I never thought we'll, of you wishing. <laughs> you never, you never thought you'd be wishing goalie. for Price to leave. For my favorite all-time goalie to this, leave our my favorite team. Yeah, so but. we're gonna have to wait and see. Obviously, Wednesday is the draft. Uh, there's going to be a, every every team's off-season tasks, objectives, and what they're going to look towards in the future, and what their season's going to look like. Uh, it's going to it's going to change regardless of which way the Wednesday night goes. So uh, we're going to be getting into price next week for sure. I think it's going to be probably the headline topic on our show. Uh, but Carey Price, he's got a big contract. Is all you got to need to know, and he actually might be going to the Seattle Kraken. And will it come to fruition? We will just have to wait and see. And it wouldn't be bad for both sides if it were to happen. We're going to just switch gears here. Quickly, because we are running a little more tight on the clock as we should. Uh, uh, Ellis, big trade coming out of Nashville and Philadelphia. And you could even throw in a third team into the mix. That is Vegas Golden Knights. So basically, this is how it worked here. And I was kind of confused. I had to read it a couple times to get it under control. So Ellis, Philip Myers, and Nolan Patrick. And then the Preds, Patrick to the Knights for Cody Glass. Now, all selections have fun. Sin City with the departure of Cody Glass being the final one, who was drafted sixth overall back in 2017, which I believe was the first draft that Vegas. Uh, is that correct? Whoa. Yeah, no? Whoa. Whoa, what was that, Mary? What? <laughs> when 20, 2017 was their first draft. Yeah. Was It was, it was, was Cody Glass that was their pick. Yeah, it was. I believe uh, so, yeah. They, yeah. Well, I looked I it up. So, I, yeah, I, had, I think they had a. Uh, they had two picks in that draft, didn't they? They had they him did, and Suzuki in the first. same draft. Yeah, yeah Cody Glass went six and I, Suzuki I went thirteenth. So. Yeah, so that's why he did Cody Glass, Suzuki's gone. Yeah, oh no, and they end in the same one they had Brandstrom who went fifteenth. Yeah. All of them were in twenty seventeen. All of I them thought, were in twenty seventeen. I thought Brandstrom was oh no no. No, Brandstrom was um Ottawa, was it not? No, he, he went to Ottawa, but he was Unless drafted by Vegas. Was, I don't know. He was drafted by oh. Vegas. In 2017, dude, yeah. Vegas had three first first round picks in 2017, and all of them don't play for Vegas anymore. That's what that's there's the point. I just Josh, thank you for exactly. Me. So, but is, regard, regardless of what it is, Glass, 22 years of age, he put up a meager four goals and 27 games with Vegas last season. Oh God! Uh, well, he, he split the time between uh, Vegas Golden Knights and their AHL affiliate. My Patrick, he went uh, four spots ahead of Glass in that 2017 draft. And he was touted as a high-end prospect, holding many uh, to stick his name amongst the greats of Ma- Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel. And he has turned into nothing but that. He recorded just four goals and five assists in his 2021 shortened campaign, in which he only played 52 games. That's almost the entire year. Uh, and he also won all the season before that while dealing with a migraine issue. So uh, Myers, we're also shining some light onto him. He was a throw-in, I'd say, or... Maybe a little more than a throw, and he's an undrafted defenseman in this deal. Uh, and the 24-year-old did tally just one goal from the blue line to go along kind of nicely with 10 assists. And then the headliner in this deal, no questions asked, is none other than Ryan, Ryan Ellis, who Ellis. played alongside former Norris Trophy winner Roman Yossi uh, in 2020. Now Ellis averaged a team high 23 minutes 43 seconds uh, of ice time over a solid 25-game span that witnessed the 30-year-old register five goals and 13 assists with a Nashville Predator squad that didn't look uh, too strong. Plus, will likely slot into the Flyers' top four, very generously and very fast. 
and provide quick reassurance to the blue line that struggled to keep the puck out of the back of the net last season. Ask Carter Hart. He would be the first one to tell you that. So I'm going to turn this one over to you guys first and foremost. What are your thoughts on the three-way trade? And what we'll see from these players going forward? Uh, Iboni, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the trade in general? see from Nolan Patrick. And I Nolan Patrick, Cody Glass, and of course, Ryan L. To Philip Myers, uh, I think we already know what we're going to get from him, regardless of the change in scene. Uh, I think everyone wins. I think the only one that loses is Cody Glass because he's going to a rebuilding Nashville. Um, but I, I think all the teams tough win. Yeah, it is tough pill to swallow. And uh, you're watching all these people leave Nashville, like um, like we mentioned before, Arvidsson and possibly Johansson, possibly even Duchesne. Um, they're all possibly leaving, and it's not looking all that great. Rene just retired. Um, congrats to him. But um, I think I used Saros, Saros. Saros is stepping up now. But who the hell is your backup? Anyways, uh, they've got Connor Ringo, but I don't think he's ready. Anyways, um, I think fair deal for every, every side. I think Patrick gets a new look in a new franchise. Glass gets a new look in a new franchise. He'll probably play third line uh, for most of the night. Um, I think Patrick will get some looks in the third line, probably fourth line player for them. Um but uh, just looking at his stats, and I know that plus minus is not very, it's not much of an indicator for how good you are. But when you're minus thirty in fifty-two games, that is a huge <laughs> exclamation point, red flag, danger zone. And I know the Flyers are garbage last year. I think they let in like what was it, eighteen goals in like a three-game span or something? Two games span. Two games span. Um, it's just it's not something that you want to see from a player. Uh, especially a prospect player, it's, just, it's, it's a little risk to throw that up in the air and try to rebuild that player back up. But I think it was fair to all sides. Good to have those two uh, rookie players um, get flipped to a franchise to try to rebuild themselves. Uh, Ellis gets put onto a better team, and he gets to possibly contend for a Stanley Cup. And Felipe Myers gets to go and probably play a more prominent role in Nashville. Um Along with um, oh shoot, who's the other guy? No, it's just, that's it. That's it. Just the that three players. That was the trade. But uh, I think yeah, it's yeah, I think yeah. it's a promising uh, look for the Philadelphia Flyers. I, I'm sorry if I cut you off or anything, but I think it was no, a, no, no. I, was, I shouldn't. Have. Yeah, I, I think it Philadelphia. I think this is the guy that you really want to go get. Uh, you absolutely do need help on the defensive end of things. I don't think that's a debate here. And you have some players, Josh. We were actually talking about this uh, earlier in the week. Uh, your players that are gonna be, your players are gonna be leaving soon. They're aging. They're some miles on him. Claude Giroux would be one to tell you. Uh, Jacob Voracek, who I believe was uh, uh, was he exposed to the yes he was, but they're not yes. gonna take him. He's eight. Yeah. He's eight mil. Yeah, so he has a massive contract <laughs> oh, still. Oh, and oh my god! Very, Good god! My, when, look when this contract was signed, Josh, and then you'll think a little bit better because Voracek was mm-hmm. extremely good. Uh, Quite a bit, but regardless, this was a big trade for the Philadelphia uh, Flyers, in my opinion. You got you improved on the back end. I think the departure of Nolan Patrick, yes, he was your second overall pick in 2017, but he hasn't played near any sort of, sort of looking towards in the minor leagues as well as uh, up and coming as a kid. So it's definitely didn't improve anything to his name that he was touted as when scouts were looking at him. He didn't end up playing like Austin Matthews at all. He didn't end up playing whatsoever. And I think this change of scenery for Nolan Patrick is going to be very impactful for the Vegas. I think it's going to be I I think, I think, yeah, I I think a lot of people would agree with us, me and you, Josh. And I think I, you might have the same feelings, but 
Uh, I think it's a great way for Nolan Patrick to get his career back together. I think he's going to get some decent minutes with Vegas and play along some skilled players. And I think it's just a great thing for Nolan Patrick, especially. I think that's. I think he'd be the first one to tell you. I that. think th- this is the, this is the way I see this whole situation. Um, Brian Ellis, uh, if he can stay away from injuries, that'll be great for Philly. Um, Nolan Patrick, obviously, like we're saying, nothing, nothing more than a disappointment for the second overall pick, but. Um, Obviously, we can say, oh, yeah, it's a huge mistake on Philly for passing up Kilmacar, Huskinen, Pedersen. But at the same time, he was looking very promising in the WHL. You can't blame him. He came off of a, a, a 46-point season in 33 games. How do you not take that? It's a good. He's a good player. I just don't think Philly's a fit for him. He just doesn't fit with the team properly. That's just how some players work. They'll... I think I think I had a, I had a great example earlier, but there's some players who I'd say I'd say Taylor Hall where you know what he played he was not good in Buffalo whatsoever, but he found his fit in Boston and just lit the lamp. Same with Anthony Mantha, he wasn't super good with Detroit, but the second he found his his place in in uh, Washington, he showed what he's really capable of. And I think that's going to be the same the same situation as Nolan Patrick. Maybe Philly just the players on the team just don't fit his play style, and the coaching style this coaching just doesn't fit his play style. The second he gets on a team that really fits, and I think who knows maybe Vegas is the team for him. I feel like that like he's good he's going to have a breakout season. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing that we're going to be looking at when this trade sort of comes to fruition in the upcoming season and the upcoming months, but. Great destination for Patrick. You mentioned how he could compare him. You compared him to Taylor Hall, and I think that's a fair comparison. Taylor Hall. But he has been a player known for taking trips around the league and seeing different teams. Fits for himself. Uh, Boston, and what do you know? He's a totally different player playing along much skilled set of players. So I think this might be the same situation Nolan Patrick finds himself in. And... If you're the Flyers, what you've gotten back is nothing short. Definitely change your defensive core. Uh, I think he's going to be a leader on that team, first and foremost. And he had a really tough season with the Vegas Golden Knights, as well as their AHL affiliate. I don't think he's going to be doing any promises back in uh, National Predators, a team that we mentioned time and time again. So, are entering the rebuilding stage uh, after loaning off, uh, what was it, Arkvidsson to the Kings? And it's it's slowly it's slowly starting to trickle down for the Nashville Predators, but I don't know, boys. Do you have anything else to say on these trades? I think we sort of beat the dead horse. Yeah, yeah I think uh, yeah, I, I think it's a win for every every team. The only person who really lost is Cody Glass, but who knows? Maybe it is a win for Cody Glass because now he's going to get a more important role. Maybe he can kind of he's going to get more ice time. I think, and who knows? Maybe that's going to be better for him. So I'm I'm just hoping for. Uh, for the young guys, I would still call them young. Yeah, they're they're twenty two, yeah. twenty one years old. Oh, yeah. I hope uh, Cody Glass and Nolan Patrick kind of find their find their uh, find their home and break out. I I th- I, they, I think they still have uh, pretty uh, not high expectations, but high uh, potential. It's there's like we said, they're still young. They still got a lot of potential, and I think I think they still got a lot of room to prove themselves. So. 
yeah, it was a low risk, high reward sort of trade for all sides. Oh, absolutely, involved, so. absolutely. In the upcoming months, like I mentioned, in the upcoming season, we'll see how Patrick plays out. I'm hoping to see him uh, sort of. Yes, and I think if you're Vegas, I think that's something you really want to see, especially because you've had so many players that have come to your team and finally find their way. They regain uh, some sort of solid positioning in the National Hockey League, but we'll have to wait and see. And what I can't wait to see, and what is. Hey. Well, Seattle Kraken, and Iboni, you have been waiting patiently down in your corner there, uh, waiting to jump on your take on the, what the roster's going to look like. And before I just turn it over to you to take off the stage away here, I just want to mention for the listeners here, if they haven't really been paying too much attention to what's been the last couple of uh, days or so, it's pretty quite simple. So teams had to release their expansion or their protection list uh, this, this morning, I believe it was, and uh, who you're going to protect as your club and who you're going to leave unprotected for the Seattle Kraken to select. Now, we've gone to a bunch of teams' sort of rosters and who they left unprotected. We touched upon the Toronto Maple Leafs as well, and it basically played the role of this. You could have been one goalie or eight position players and one goalie. And the position players obviously can be a forward or a defenseman. Now, players must play three NHL seasons and is under contract through 2021-2022. And the Vegas Golden Knights is also a big aspect here. They are exempt from doing anything in this draft whatsoever. So they didn't have to give any players away. They've just had to sit there and watch and make some trades. We saw it with the one we just got into moments ago. Uh, so which way will the Kraken go is the biggest question. We've been talking about it throughout the show, where they're going to spend their money on most. Will it be goaltending? The contracts of price and acquire another decent uh, backup goaltender that can assist price and split the time with him. Defensemen. There's a lot of key defensemen that Iboni will most likely mention when he reveals his team uh, or projected team, I guess we should say, other like on Thursday when everything's said and done and the dust settles, or will they go straight for the star talent, the big names that are going to bring up the views with your team, the star power, the talented forwards that are available in this unprotected list of players that you can choose from. So I'm going to turn this one over to you, Josh, you might have to, uh, me included, might have to wait, take a seat here and wait for Iboni to tell us his projected <laughs> team, the Seattle Kraken Iboni, what are they going to look like come Thursday morning? All right, how do you want me to do this? I have two teams, one with price, one without price. How do you want me to do this? How do you want me to unveil them all? Uh, how would you I like me to I... do that? Would you like me both teams or just one? Go hit hit them for both. I think uh, we got some okay, decent I'll time to, for it. I'll try to go. I'll try to go. If I were you, go goaltender out. It. Goaltender out, so not price. No, like you could no no like you go start from what the goaltender and then say defenseman oh, okay. uh, forward like that. Because I'm <laughs> okay, interested to okay. see your goaltending situation first and foremost. All right. So for my first uh, goaltender, I've got uh, Ben Bishop from Dallas Stars. I think that's no question. Uh, top goaltender. Possibly I was talking earlier that he could be the next flurry in this expansion draft. Uh, backing up is Capo Kakinen. Uh, I think it's a no-brain choice from the wild. Uh, good goaltender. Really proved himself last year. Looks like he can possibly do it again, especially in the backup role with a 34-year-old goaltender in Ben Bishop as a leader. And your third-string goaltender is Anton Forsberg, who could potentially even be a two-string goaltender. Depends how they really do there. So I think that's uh, going to be really, really strong goaltending. And especially when Kapanen's making seven, 725K and Anton Forsberg's making 900K. So that's two cheap backup options that you have there with Ben Bishop's $5 million, which is insane for that team. And I think it's going to be really beneficial. So uh, I'm going to unveil the forwards last because I think that that's what people are really anticipating. So I'm going to go with defense first. Actually, I'm going to go with the healthy scratches first, actually. So uh, from the... So this is not even on the taxi squad or scratches. This is just people that are non-rostered. Uh, from Tampa Bay, 
Cal Foot defenseman. Uh, he's a prospect. He's looking very promising. He's picked 12th overall uh, in the 2017 draft, I believe. Uh, very good prospect. And uh, the reason why I didn't choose anyone else with more that who's better is the cap issues. And you do, like I said earlier, you don't really want to do Tampa Bay a whole lot of favors and take someone that's like six million dollars because then they can go out and then sign someone else who is better than that player. And then you don't really want Tampa to have that dynasty like that. It's just, it's a little bit risky. Uh, from Montreal, Kale Fleury, right defenseman, uh, another good prospect, picked very high overall in the first uh, round, uh, looking very promising, definitely a guy you want to have in your future. From the Rangers, Julian Gauthier, uh, this guy is very promising, he's been playing a little bit in the National Hockey League, um, good healthy scratch to have, you can put him on the fourth line, you can put him on the wing, uh, not much of a centerman though. Uh, from the Detroit Red Wings, Evgeny Svechnikov, this guy uh, has potential, his brother had potential too, so kind of that uh, it runs in the family thing. Uh, this guy has played in the NHL before. He's played in Detroit. So, I mean, not really the greatest of places to kind of learn. But uh, if you give him a chance, he can play fourth line. He's good, healthy scratch, and he's still pretty young. From the Vancouver Canucks, defenseman Madison Bowie. This guy was picked up in a trade. He's fairly young. Also played for Detroit before he was traded to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, very promising defenseman, and he definitely can play in a top two role if needed to, uh, if injuries start to occur, because he has played in that role before. From the Ducks, Hayden Fleury, um, little cheap guy there. He's got some potential. He's been flipped around a bunch of teams. Uh, if you keep him there and sign him to a long extension, um, you can definitely use that guy as some potential, some future guy, or if you want to slot him, to, in, slot him into the lineup instead of some other people, that is definitely something you could do as well because he has played some regular time with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, scratched Jake Bean from Carolina Hurricanes. He is the seventh defenseman. I have him at seven uh, just because the other defensemen are way too – important uh he's been pretty crucial for the carolina hurricanes and he's been playing some top uh some third line pairing minutes a little bit of second line pair minutes here and there uh jeremy lawson uh from the boston bruins and i had a couple options here i could have went zaboral i could have went andre cassie um but i went with jeremy lawson um the higher draft pick in the 2018 draft i believe and yeah and he's going to be a third-pairing defenseman on the right. Brendan DeLoyne, uh third-pairing defenseman on the left. Uh, you can move him up and down wherever. It's just, uh, this is just me just saying all these pairings. Um, Redeem Simic on the um, San-, San Jose Sharks, making $2.25 million. Pretty cheap. Uh, you can move him down to the third-pairing if you really, really wanted to and put Brendan DeLoyne up. I think that that actually makes a little bit more sense. I'm going to do that right now on my little sheet here. Shane Gothis Fair from from the um, Philadelphia Flyers as the second pair defenseman. Uh, Will Butcher from the Devils. Colin Miller from the uh, Buffalo Sabres uh, because he's one of the actual only good players that is still in Buffalo as available. Now up to the forwards. All right. This is going to take really long. Brandon Tanev is my top line with Ryan Johansson and Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, that is a pretty, um, pretty expensive. Hold on, line, hold on. But... Who, who, who is able to? There was Brandon T- from what's it called? You could pick Zach Aston Reese. Um, 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 Teddy, Teddy. No, no, not Bluger. What's his name? That other guy, Sam Lafferty, um, Jason Zucker. Jason how, Zucker. How much yeah. is Zucker's contract? Five point five. Okay, no, no, no. Yeah, I know. How about Austin Reese? Because he's he's not. He's not. Austin Reese is he's either. okay, but he's a depth player. Uh, he's yeah. making one million dollars. 
he's an RFA though, so you have to resign him, and he's making True. one million dollars, and he'd be okay, like a third line, fourth line player. Yeah, he's a, he's more of a depth player. I'd, yeah. I'd say Brandon Tanev is a he's not yeah. a bad pick at all. Three three point five mil for three years or four years. Okay, that's uh, not terrible. Second line, Jonas Donskoy for some reason is unprotected. Max Domi and Jordan Eberle. I think this is going to be a very, very crucial line. Max Domi is playing with some players that are actually good and they're actually experienced and they have some goal-scoring touches. So Max Domi isn't going to have to be credited with doing everything here. He's just going to have to pass the puck, maybe get a couple shots off, and maybe rack up some points on that second line. It's really, really solid. Uh, Dominic Cahoon on the third line with Alexander Kerfoot and Frank Petrano. I think this is a very, very good, very cost-efficient uh, third line. I think that this could actually be a second line on most teams. It's very, very um, skillful, pretty fast as well. It's got some good players who are good at back-checking. Uh, Dominic Cahoon is pretty defensive. Frank, Frank Petreno is pretty defensive. Uh, and Alexander Kerfer can obviously play the penalty kill as well, as we've all seen at Sleek Fans. Um, fourth line, Dominic Simone, Andreas Athanasiu, and Mason Appleton. Uh, Mason Appleton on the fourth line is a crime, but uh, nothing you can really do as this team is just extremely skillful. And I, I think that that fourth line can actually be most teams' third line. Uh, if not some teams' second line, I think that uh, it definitely has potential there. Uh, some two healthy scratches with the last two players of the team, Kristen Fisher from Arizona and Adam Gaudet from Chicago. Those are my two healthy scratches. Adam Gaudet is a f- healthy scratch isn't bad. Yeah, it's actually very, very solid. And you can even toss him in if you wanted to take Dominic Simone out or even a Mason Apple. It's honest. a solid team. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's a very, very solid I, team. I, Boney, so, I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. I like it. <laughs> it's a, an incredible yeah. team. I like a downscale addition. I think he's yeah. a very underrated player in the National Hockey League. I think Criminally he, underrated. He didn't have much of a say. They have too many star players that they'd have to protect. Over Donskoy, what are you going to do? He found himself in an I'd unlikely say, situation. You give up Kadri instead of Donskoy, but I, I, I you could go either way. You could go either way. You could go and either I, way. I, I also like Iboni situation. I mm-hmm. in the middle and had uh, like youth in Kakinen as well as I believe you had mm-hmm. Anton Forsberg and Bishop. So I think that's a great balance. I would love to Wait, see so how that how, one plays out. Yeah. Quick question. How much cap space did you have left over? Uh, five hundred thousand. Okay, so that's tight. That's kind of it is close. very tight. It's very tight. But it's a very it works. Solid team. It works. It contends. This team it contends. Works. That team is uh, a I'll good you, team. For my second team, my second team. Oh, my second team has three mil. Oh, but that's not. Um, that's because these players are. I have one, two, three, four, five. I have six healthy scratches. I don't have them on my okay. taxi squad. Okay. I just have okay. six healthy. You're supposed to have three. So hold on. Let me actually do that. Um, if I do this really quickly, well, quickly real quick, do you prefer your first team or your second team? The team you just mentioned. I prefer my first team, the one without price, only because it just seems like such a solid, solid team. It's just incredible. It seems very rounded so, out. It's you know very who you should out, take instead of Tarasenko? Zach Sanford. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, for sure. That'd be really amazing. Okay, <laughs> he's, he's on the. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's it. Okay. I, I moved everyone off and I still at 500000 for some reason. Okay. Well, it's also because I extended Adam Gutter for $2 million for some reason. I don't know why. Because <laughs> he's an RFA. I, ex- I had to extend all my RFAs, so I extended them to numbers that are a little bit over their expected price range. Anyways, all I'll get into right. the second team real quick because we are running out of time. We are. So I'll start with time. the goaltenders again. This is the one with Carey Price. I don't, I don't have a third-string goaltender for this one because I'm very, very tight on the cap. 
Um, goaltender carrier price, back of goaltender, you got to still stick by Capo And There's some similarities in this for sure. I just made a couple of uh, changes to fit the cap. So I have carrier price and Capo Uh My healthy scratch from the Anaheim Ducks, Brandon Gooley, the brother of Caden Gooley, which uh, Josh is very familiar with. I love Brandon Gooley. <laughs> I still have Julian Gauthier. I still have Jake Bean. I still have – oh, I still have Anton Forsberg. Never mind. I do have a third string goaltender. I just put him on attacking squad instead, but couldn't see him. Uh, I still have Mason Appleton. Still have Christian Fisher, Jeremy Lawson. Um, and those are all healthy scratches. Um, some new additions. Uh, San Jose, Dylan Gambrell. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, Sam Lafferty. Dallas Stars, Julius Honka, who was, I believe, a top 10, top 10 pick in the 2018 or 2019 draft. Uh, very promising defenseman. He's played a couple of games for the D- Dallas Stars, and he looks like he could be a very, very solid prospect in the future. Uh, for the defense, the main defense, top pairing is Shane Gothisbear and Brendan DeLoyne, or Dylan, my bad, Josh. Thank you. Uh, second pair, Will Butcher and Marcus Nunavara. Third pairing is Oliver Kylington and Troy Stetcher. So that's a little bit more of a downgrade on the defense, but I think um, there's a little bit of an upside to the offensive side. Uh, top line, Alex Kalorn, Ryan Johansson, Vladimir Tarasenko. That's a much better first line, in my opinion. I think it's way better than having Tanev there. Second line, uh, a little bit of a downcrease. Um, Jared, I just made a downcrease. That's a new word. Uh, Jared McCann, Max Domi, and Josh Bailey. So very, very similar there. And this is where things start to get mixed up a little bit on this third line. With uh, Jake Rutanen, Zygmus Gergensen, who's actually pretty solid, and JT Conkler. And with the fourth line, uh, it's very, very similar. Dominic Cahoon, Adam Gaudet, and, and Andres Athanasiu. That's the team. So, I, 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 I like, the, I the, like the depth on both. Yeah. I and think you got the, the depth is a little bit there. better on the first one, but it this is. first line because, is so yeah. much better on that it one. It is. And the second line's still not bad. The third line's yeah. still really good. The fourth line is still very solid. So if they wanted to go with the carry price option, you definitely could. Honestly, they they definitely could. Like we said. Um, is Ron Francis they... hiring? <laughs> I would hope so. Depending on how this draft goes, he might be hiring in the next couple of days. But yeah, you, I like both teams that you came out with. I think you, your answer here is going to be very straightforward. As they all... It seems built to win right now. It is. It is. Yes. And I mean, you okay. still have the future pieces as well, which is amazing. You still have those future pieces. It's 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 going to be a great time in Seattle. That's I think that's what we're trying to say with Trill. Uh, Wednesday yeah. night is going to prove no matter which way it goes. I don't think it can go any worse. Anything. I don't say any worse, but I don't think it can go anything negative for the Seattle crack. And I think it's going to be an exciting time for not just the community uh, and the state, the city. Uh, it's going to be a great time to see what this team can do, what this team can be made out of, and the decisions that they make, and how it's going to impact every other team in the National Hockey League. I'm going to, I'm going to tie in my hot take into this uh, sort of vision of the Seattle Kraken, where they're going to spend their money and all that kind of stuff. Basically, it's pretty straightforward, and we're going to have to. And this hot take, I might have to cash in a, in a year or so. But uh, the Seattle Kraken make the playoffs and finish second or. Th- uh, this season, that's my that's my hot take. Uh, it's not too spicy when you're looking at the players that they're going to be able to take from when you stack specific division. 
that they're going to be facing off more often than not this season. Uh, and some weak teams to boot still in the rebuilding stage and sort of coming out of a close of that rebuilding stage. I think this team is more than adequate, not just looking at both the teams that you released, but the team that we're obviously going to end up seeing on Wednesday morning will finalize it. It'll be all finalized. But I think this team is obviously built to win now. I think they're going to do something like Vegas has done in the past and go on a massive run. I don't think they're going to take a conference final, but I think they're going to go more deep, obviously, than the Maple Leafs because that's something that many teams have very good idea of doing about. So I do see the Seattle Kraken team going far in the upcoming years, in the preliminary years, and I think that's just my hot take in general. They're a playoff team now. Or I wouldn't say now, but by Wednesday night, they're going to be a playoff team, and I don't think anyone's going to be able to dispute that. And I'm going to turn this one over to you, Iboni. I don't know if you have a hot take or Josh or both. Josh uh, how's this working out here? And I, I finished my hot I don't have a hot take, and I think Josh uh, I, I, said, I said mine already. Oh, okay, so I guess <laughs> we're uh, – we're, we're, wrapping, we're wrapping. I said that, I said that, uh, that Seattle's going to take Price and uh, Montreal. Like when they take Price, Montreal's not going to resign Dano and pick up Dougie Hamilton as well as Blake Coleman, which is yeah. very hot because you're kind of depending on pulling so many strings. But that's what a hot takes for. You're going to have to jump on a, a phone with Bergevin to make that thing come yeah. true. I wish. <laughs> Before we end the show off, um, uh, I just like to agree with Mario. I think that um, they will actually end up second. Just I'm looking at the division right now. It's all the California teams and then the three Canadian teams. And I think that Seattle will be just. I think Vegas will end up on first, and I think that Seattle will be the second team there. So I think that he is very on pace for that. Uh, if they're not second, then they definitely will be third. I think that that is very accurate, and we'll have to see how it'll all yeah, play it's, out. Once it's going to be uh, it's, it's going to be a slow burner. Obviously, I'll take slow burners. This one obviously is going to be a big one. Uh, I bone, I'm going to credit you once again because I don't think you get credit enough for your hot takes. Usually, they're like go far left or far right. This one you've hit dead center and you're about to maybe cash it in as a, one of the most successful hot takes that we've had on this show. Select, uh, you predicted this, I want to say, less than 10 weeks in to these. Yeah, I know it was on. Uh, we're obviously in the upcoming weeks. I'm going to go back and look at all the hot takes, and we're going to see who's kind of hit the ones on the way off some big ones. And you had a big blunder leading up all, to the all, all playoffs when you said the Leafs were going to win. <laughs> and yeah, and, all, and all then I'm you told say, me gonna, I was going to drink it. All I'm going to say is I'm pretty sure one of my early hot takes was Montreal. If they beat the Leafs, they can make it to the Stanley Cup final. That's sure. all I think it's something like that. Like I think it's a conference final. I think I might have said Stan. I might have said both. We'll have to look back. We'll have to look back. It's all good. Yeah, there's a lot of contact to, content to sort through, but uh, yeah. hey, whoever wins is getting a free day. <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting to say the least. Again, Wednesday night, big night in the NHL, big night in the history. Just wait and see which way the Seattle Kraken and Ron Francis lean towards. But other than that, that concludes... 22 week 22 of the Leafs line podcast and then a long episode at that and rightfully so there's a lot of things to get into uh, lots of trade talk lots of signings and of course a great weekend in hockey and it's about to be a nice great week in the National Hockey League with the Seattle Kraken draft the offseason frenzy I believe it is the signing day which is the 28th so I think we got a couple weeks for that and uh, the NHL drafts coming up this week as well so a lot of content coming out of the National Hockey League following the Tampa Bay Lightning's hoisting of their second straight Stanley Cup. Other than that, that does it for me. Thank you, everyone, for listening and tuning in to episode 22. I appreciate all the support, as always. I am Mara Russo, Ada McCullough, 
Uh, he unfortunately couldn't join us. But again, me, Mario Russo, joining me, Joshua Levesque, and I have Michael Iaboni. I will be signing off. Great evening and happy Sunday. We have made it to the final days of the week and a week upcoming for the NHL. It's going to be a promising one. We'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and have a great evening. Cheers.